Wednesday night, I uh, remember standing right here, and Zeke was sitting right there, and I said, Zeke, thank you for last week. Zeke did a good job. Um, last week, I was right here with you. He did a good job. I always love hearing God's Word spoken in truth, and uh, I always love being the one who gets to stand and speak God's Word in truth. And so I'm glad to be back uh, this morning. I ask you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 8. When you get to the book of Acts chapter 8, you can go to verse 26. If you want to use that pew Bible there, uh, in the pew, you can. It's on page 1263, the book of Acts. Now, I don't know about you. I know there's something wrong with me. I've been sitting here looking at these trees, and I made these trees, so I'm not picking at anybody, but this one's not straight right here. you got to move it over just a little bit. And then this one's not straight right here, and then these aren't straight right here. Have I drawn enough attention to these shoeboxes for you? Let me draw attention to them. They're full. Let me draw attention to you. Some see these shoeboxes as a holiday tradition. Me and my family, we always do X number of boxes. We try to teach our kids how to go and do these boxes. And some see them as a holiday tradition. Some people see these shoeboxes as a nice thing that we should do for little children around the world who don't have very much for Christmas. Church, that's not how Samaritan's Purse looks at this box at all. That's not how I look at this box at all, and that is not how you should look at this box at all. You see, this shoebox can be a source of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Church, let me tell you how Samaritan's Purse sees it. I've This has been in the pews for a few weeks, and you might be able to grab one and take it, but I want to share with you the first paragraph on there that says, every gift-filled shoebox is a tool for evangelism and discipleship for a local church around the world. At Operation Christmas Child Outreach Events, boys and girls hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and receive a tangible expression of God's love through one of the prayerfully packed shoeboxes. This shoebox is a tool in the hands of God to share the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. There's also something that Samaritans first have called the greatest journey. It happens after the shoeboxes are given. It is a 12-week or 12-lesson follow-up on discipleship designed for those who receive the shoeboxes and kids learn how to follow Christ and they learn how to share Christ with others. I think it's cool. You see, sometimes we look at a discipleship program as how to help somebody come to know something. But that's just half of discipleship. Discipleship is helping somebody come to know something and then teaching them how to help somebody come to know the same something. Amen? That's what discipleship is, is coming to know and then sharing to help somebody else come to know. And I think that's cool that they position the shoeboxes this way. Because in my notes, I only bolded one statement in all of my notes this week. And this is this statement that I wrote down. It makes total sense to me that that this would be a two-step discipleship process. Because why would someone 
who has been transformed, redeemed, forgiven by Jesus Christ through his love and grace ever want to keep that good news to themselves. Amen? Now, we need to settle on just a little bit here. I bolded that. That's supposed to be one of those moments that you go, oh, he thought it was important. I'm just going to back right up and share it again. See, we talked about discipleship being an important thing of helping someone come to know and then teaching that person how to help somebody else come to know. Because why would someone who has been transformed, redeemed, forgiven by Jesus Christ through his love and his grace ever want to keep that good news to themselves? Church, as a church, we should be supportive of shoeboxes. But let me tell you, did you notice on that bulletin? I didn't call it a bulletin. I called it a call to action. There are things that you can do on there that need to be done that all of them in one way or another are gospel related. Where you're going, Jeff, not everything's on there. Well, let me just stop and point out one. Did you see on there that Terry and Joanthes are celebrating on the 23rd of November, they're celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. And they want you to come. That's right. And they want you. Everybody okay up there? All right. And they want you to come. Did you see that? And you're going, Jeff, how's that related to the gospel? Well, let me tell you what. When you come, you will hear that once upon a time, two unsaved people got married, and then the Lord got a hold of both of them. And they've lived for nearly 60 of those married years serving him, making a difference to them. And church, let me tell you, that's something that we will always celebrate. Somebody said, well, Jeff, if you put this in there, we might have to put everybody's anniversary in there. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, let's just draw a line. We will never publish anybody's anniversary in the bulletin until you've made it to at least 50 years. And I guarantee you, church, if we have to publish 50 and more greater anniversaries every day, we write a bulletin, it'll be a reason to celebrate. Amen? Amen. Amen. They invited you. It says how the RSVP, would you let them know you're coming? These shoeboxes. Church, everything should be about us desiring to know Jesus and then to be taught how to teach somebody else how to know Jesus. And I am afraid that the first version of me saying that statement where I say it and I'm excited about it and we all just get quiet is the position that the church has taken far too long. If I want to do anything today, it's speak what God wants to say through his word and what God has said over and over and over and over again in his word is that if you know me, you share with people how to know me. Now, you have an opportunity through a shoebox, but you have so many more opportunities that God has provided for you in your life. The events of today's scripture that we're going to read in just a minute happen after two very important events in the spread of the gospel. 
Now, before you get to Acts chapter 8, verse 26, we could go back and read where Stephen was martyred. He lived a faithful life, stood for the truth, and he gave that life in martyrdom because of his faithfulness. And then because of that, the second thing we could read in Scripture leading up to our Scripture today is that the church is being persecuted. They're led by a man named Saul, and many Christians have been dispersed all over the world. And if we're not careful, we will view those events as tragic and sad events. But we need to look at these events as with great joy as they, the martyrdom of Stephen and the dispersing of the church as a way that God used to ignite the gospel of Jesus Christ that spread all over the world that has survived even to today and I hope has impacted you in the process. Church, why would we ever want to withhold that truth? Today, if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, this message should be a great challenge for you to take up the call of God on your life and to go to do something. Today, if you do not yet consider yourself a Christian, you've never yet accepted Jesus as your Savior. I am so glad you're here. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. But not only are you welcome here, second, I hope that today you will be challenged to take that next step toward Jesus today. I'm not afraid of you taking baby steps toward Jesus. I believe if you will keep taking steps towards Jesus, you will understand how much he loves you and the life that he desires to give you because that's the reason he came. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to read from the book of Acts chapter 8. We're going to read verses 26 to 40. Acts chapter 8, picking up in verse 26, says this, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when he had come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called Philip away so that, he, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. 
But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Thanks, church. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. If you're a note taker, get ready to maybe take a note or two. Verse 26 of Acts chapter 8 says that an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now, this is Philip the deacon, not Philip the disciple. And you know what I love in this statement? I love the fact that God desires to speak to us, to reveal himself to us, to tell us what to do, to tell us how to act, where to go, and even what to say. I love that the God of all the universe loves you and wants to speak to you. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. He has a calling for your life, and he wants to speak to you, and I love that God wants to speak to me. You see, I know me. I looked me in the mirror this morning and realized Except from the grace of God, there is nothing good in me. But God wants to speak to me. And I know some of you are out there right now going, God doesn't speak to me. If you're his child, he does. You may not recognize it yet. You may not hear it yet. You may have things in your life that you need to move out of the way. But God does speak to his people. Experiencing God, point number four, says this. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways, which means that God is speaking right now to you through his word and through the Holy Spirit if you will but listen. Desire to hear Jesus said some strong words in John chapter 8, verse 47. He said, he who belongs to God hears what God says. Do you see that God says? The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now, that's not meant to be a mean-spirited statement by Jesus or by me. You're going, Jeff, but I took the time to come here. Now you're going to tell me that I may not know Jesus? Well, for starters, no, I'm not going to say that. God's word said it for me. Jesus said it. He said, one of the ways you will know that you're my child is that you will hear my voice. Church, do you hear God's voice? Are you even listening for it? Amos chapter 3, verse 7 says this, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Church, God speaks. And what he said in verse 26, he told Philip what to specifically do. I love it. He didn't say, Philip, figure something out and go do something. Go get busy for me, Philip. No, he said, Philip, here's what I want you to do very specifically. You see, God does not desire for us to guess what we are to do for him. God has no desire to fool us or to make it hard for us to understand. God speaks to us. Let me make sure this clarification too. Maybe I'm saying a little more personal here than anything, but do you know, we never figure out what God wants. You know, sometimes we think that if we think long enough and hard enough that we'll figure it out. Let me tell you what the truth of God's word is. You will never figure out what God wants. 
God will always reveal specifically to you what He wants. You don't have to try to figure God out. Just listen for Him and do what He says. And in this case, God told Philip to leave where he was and go to the desert. As I was reading just a few minutes ago, God even brought out the word desert to me. It probably didn't make any sense at first to Philip. God will not always make sense until you follow him. And then it will always make perfect sense. But let me read in Acts chapter 8. I just want to go back and read verses 4 and 5, talking about Philip for just a second. It says, Acts chapter 8, verse 4 and 5, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Verse 6, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So it's an interesting thing. When God came to Philip, he told him specifically what to do, where to go. But look where Philip was. You see, God only gave him part of what to say. He said, I want you to go. Philip didn't know why he was being sent. God said, go. It's at this moment in life, in this moment in your life, where you have to decide if you're going to trust God or not. You see, Philip was in the middle of a great revival. That's what it said right there, right? He was preaching. God was moving and working. People were coming to know the Lord. It was booming. And why? I mean, Philip could have said, but God, no, this is is working. Why would you want me to leave this? See, God only gave him part. See, we're called to live by faith, trusting daily, step by step. Are you willing to leave what is good or what is great in order to follow God's revealed plan in your life. Philip was put in a spot because he says, man, I'm serving God. People are coming. It's working. And then God says, it's time to go. It's time to go. Church, can I tell you that you do not want to be where God does not want you to be? Had Philip stayed in this moment, I think the revival was going to be over from his perspective. The Spirit of God and the truth of God's Word would have kept moving, but Philip would have known that he was not in the right spot. Church, can I tell you, you do not want to be where God does not want you to be. And when God told Philip, you need to leave here and go to the desert, The desert is where God wanted Philip. Amen? Let me put it to you a different way. You always want to be where God wants you to be. Are you willing to leave the good or great in order to follow God's revealed plan in your life? Verse 27, so Philip arose and went. Philip obeyed God. Verse 27 and 28 talk about he saw this Ethiopian eunuch, a foreigner, a man of a different race, a man of position, was returning from Jerusalem where Scripture tells us he had gone to worship. This man who had returned from worshiping in Jerusalem now sat in his chariot in the desert 
reading God's Word, the book of Isaiah. You're going, man, that guy's got it going on. He's doing all the right things. Verse 29, God speaks to Philip again, and he says, go near and overtake that chariot. God asked Philip to run after a chariot that was moving. That's how the word overtake comes. You see, overtake is the chariot's moving, and Philip is moving, and God says, you better pick up the pace, son, because that chariot, I want you to overtake it and get there. It tells me about the timing and the effort that it takes in order to be a faithful, obedient follower of Christ. He's going to tell us, yes, you need to push it just a little bit. Yes, this is going to cost you. You know, there are times when we say, God, I'll serve you. Just bring them right before me and you tell me what to say and do. God doesn't always do it that way. He can. But I believe that God is teaching Philip how important it is, and he says, I want you to run and overtake that chariot. Verse 30, so Philip ran. He ran. I want to be this faithful. Do you not want to be this faithful? I want to hear God. I want to know what he says, and then I want to faithfully obey what he says. I want to be that. That encourages me that Philip obeyed God. I pray that it encourages you. And we're not even done with the story yet, but I'm already pretty encouraged and desiring to be faithful. I pray that God will help each one of us desire to be this open and this obedient to what he calls us to do. Amen? But church, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that we don't always hear God because we're not listening. And that we don't always obey because we think that what we're in is already good enough. God's always got plans to take us higher and higher. So he gets there and he overtakes this chariot. And Philip heard him reading Isaiah. And he said to him, Scripture says, do you understand what you're reading? Now, some could say that Philip was a stranger taking a chance to walk up to this guy through all of his probably people that were with him. This was a man of importance. You could say he's taking a chance to step in and do that. I prefer to say, having read the whole story, that Philip was arriving at the appointment that God had set for them both. Obviously, we see that this eunuch is seeking, and God is working. And we know that Philip is seeking, and God is working, and now God has set this appointment for them to have with each other. And so he says, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, the eunuch says, how can I unless somebody guides me? You know, Scripture teaches in more than one place. How can they know unless someone tells them? How can someone tell them if they do not go? Church, we want to be where God wants us to be. Church, you do not want to be where God does not want you to be. He said, how can I? Just think about this. The man was reading the Bible. 
The man had just came from worship, and he didn't understand any of it. Nothing. Important point that maybe I could have bolded. Doing things that are considered Christian things does not make you a Christian. Today, you may be doing Christian things. But let me ask you this. Do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord and your Savior? Have you yielded your life to him through confession and belief? And have you yielded your life to him as Lord? Do you know what it means to be Lord? Jesus now gets to tell you what to do. That's what it means to be Lord. This man was reading prophecy, verses 32 and 33 say, in Isaiah about Jesus, and the eunuch said, what does this mean? When people are doing Christian things, we cannot assume that they understand. We cannot assume that they know. We cannot assume that they get it. We just need to pay attention, and God will lead us in what we are to do in that moment. Our job, we must make certain. You know, we talk to a lot of people and they go, well, I know Jesus. And then we go, and then move on. You know, there's a lot of people that say they know Jesus that don't know Jesus. And we as children of God, maybe we should ask the question, do you know what that means? Do you understand what you just said? Can you tell me what it means to know Jesus? But you're going, Jeff, I, I don't know if I can do that. That's sort of uncomfortable. That could be nosy. That's none of my business. Well, Jesus said it is your business. And so if you will listen to God speak, he will tell you exactly where to go. He will tell you who to speak to. He'll tell you what to say. But we've got to be willing to listen and do what God says. And it's interesting Philip's now been invited into the chariot. The eunuch says, if you understand this, come sit with me. Help me understand this. Verse 35 says that Philip began at this scripture, right where he was. And church, that's an important thing. You should always start teaching, preaching, sharing Jesus right where the person is in that moment. God will help you lead them from where they is, sorry, Angela, to where they need to be. Sometimes, church, it just comes out. She's actually in the nursery this morning, so if you don't tell her, I won't tell her. <laughs> but we need to start where we find people, where they are in their journey. We've got to be sensitive to listen to them and know where they are and then trust that God will tell us what to do and how to lead them next. Start where the person is. You see, we must believe that God has already been working in the other person before this appointment. We need to stop seeing things as, wow, what a coincidence. You and I just bumped into each other. We need to start seeing this as holy appointments created by God that we need to be faithful to listen to him and then obey what he tells us.
to do. And so it says that Philip taught him about Jesus using the Old Testament. You see, there wasn't a New Testament yet. And his personal experience with Jesus, what he got in there and he said, here's what this means and here's how I have encountered it. Here's what it means to me. The single greatest tool you will ever have to share Jesus with people is your personal testimony. Do you have one? If somebody cornered you and said, I must know about Jesus, you say you know Jesus, can you tell me your testimony? A lot of us might just lock up and go, can I have you call my pastor? Now listen, if you get locked up like that, having them call me, that's cool. But let me tell you what's cooler. What's cooler is you begin to understand that God saved you because he loves you, but that he also saved you for a reason. Because why would somebody else know the truth that's that great and not choose to share it? John chapter 12, verse 32. It's not the first time I've used this. One of my favorite verses. Jesus said, if I If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw people to myself. You know what he says? He says, you just talk about me. The truth of God's word, the spirit of God, I'll draw people to myself. I just need you to get it going. I don't need you to get it going. I want you to get it going. I have called you to get it going. You have the privilege of getting it going. It is not a punishment for you to get it going. It is a great, great joy. God took a man with an open heart, the eunuch, and matched him with a believer in Christ who was obedient and ready. And we read in this scripture that this Ethiopian came to know Jesus as his Savior. He believed. Verse 36, he goes down the road and he says, I want to be baptized. Why can't I not be baptized now? Philip says, well, if you believe, let's do it. And they stopped. Now, this is where God probably paused my heart for just a minute. Not this week, but just a moment ago. Where are they? They're in the desert. God appointment. What's happening? Philip's obedient. Eunuch's listening to God. Eunuch comes to understand Jesus as his Savior. What happens next? Well, the eunuch says, well, if I'm going to give Jesus my life, I might as well begin by being obedient with the very first thing I'm supposed to do. I want to be baptized. Philip says, if you believe, you can. And there they are in the middle of the desert, and they go, and there's some water. Now, I don't know much about geography I just know that one of the things I learned in school when I was little is that the reason there are deserts is because they don't have a lot of water. And God's just breaking my heart right this second because I'm learning something in this moment that God says, listen, wherever I am, I will provide what you need. 
But we so many times see the desert and go, there can't be nothing out here for me. That person, I've been talking to that person for years. They're a desert. They won't listen. Their life, it's not lived for Jesus. They'll never return from this, that, and the other. It's not worth it. Have you ever said this? Listen, even if Moses came back, they couldn't convince him. Jesus said that same thing. He said, listen, people coming back is not going to convince them. You know what does change people's hearts? Encountering Jesus Christ. And that's what's happened. Verse 38, the eunuch is baptized. Verse 39, pretty important. God supernaturally takes Philip away. He says, as soon as the baptism was done, there were two men standing in the water, and now there's just one man standing in the water. Verse 40 says that Philip preaches Jesus where God places him, and all of a sudden he took him from the desert, puts him in a place called Azotus, and wherever he went, and what we learned about Philip is Philip says, God, wherever you put me, I'm going to be talking about Jesus. Wherever you put me, whatever job, whatever neighborhood, whatever grocery store, whatever aisle, whatever country, whatever state, wherever you put me, I'm going to be talking about Jesus. Jesus. Church, can I tell you that God has always chosen to work through his people? That's his plan. Newt Parsons. If you've been at this church a long time, you know Newt Parsons, or you knew Newt Parsons. Newt died on uh, January the 2nd, 2016. Newt kept a two-ring binder of Scripture in his home. He had built this binder for years. And on an index card, he would write a scripture for memory purposes on the front. And on the back, he would write what that scripture meant to him, what it taught him, what it challenged him. Marie, his wife, member here, allowed me to have access to that for a period of time. And she pointed out to me the last card he wrote before he died. It was Romans 15, 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. It's a great verse. And then I flipped it over. And one of the meanings that Newt had personally written on the back of that card was this. This is a quote off of his card. We can trust that what we have seen God do in the past, he will continue to do in our lives. God just impacted you with a man who's been in heaven almost six years. What's the point, Jeff? Well, the point is, that's absolutely true. God can. But God can use your life today even more than he can use a memory from someone who's been with Jesus for almost six years. If you will but yield yourself to him. Application for today. God desires to work in the lives of those who know him. I just said a lot right there. 
If you know Jesus, he wants to work in your life. Not just wants to, he's got purposes and plans. If you'll just listen to him, he'll tell you exactly what to do, where to go, and how to do it, and you will be successful. But God desires to work in the lives of those who know him, which means he wants you to know him. And if today, whether you're online, on the phone, or in the room, if you don't know him, you need to. You need to know Jesus. Second application, God speaks to his people. He desires to speak to you. God has chosen to work through his people since the beginning. There are many people who do not yet know Jesus. And there are many people doing Christian things that don't really know Jesus either. Church, are you willing to allow God to use you to bring someone else to him? I ask you to think about this prayer this week. Pray that God will place someone in your life each day that needs to hear about Jesus. Then look for them. And then thank God for their faithfulness when they show up. And then start where you find them and share with them about Jesus. Because in that moment, you can know that God has already been working both in you and them And this is an awesome moment if you will but be faithful. Amen? Church, it's not a shoebox. It's so much more. Do I want you to do more shoeboxes? Yeah, there are tables out there. I'd like to see us do a zillion of them. And I want you to do your part. But don't make this just about shoeboxes. Actually, I would rather you take up your cross and share Jesus with somebody once a week. Invite somebody every day and yield yourself to Jesus over and over again throughout the day. That's what will really make a difference for the kingdom. It's a call to action. Amen?